0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
1: How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ. So we're back here. Game Nights has come and gone. Have you had a chance to check it out?
0: I did. It was very
1: exciting. If you out there have not checked out the new episode of Game Nights yet, I suggest that you pause this and go watch it and then come back. Because we're going to talk about the deck that I piloted on that episode, which is Amara, Soul of the Accord. And pretty decent chance we spoil some of it.
0: Definitely going to spoil some of it.
1: Yeah, so... Fair warning, we're gonna break down the deck, go into everything, I don't wanna ruin the episode for you uh, if you haven't seen it, so go check out Game Nights. It is gonna be the video on our channel that was right before this one, so it shouldn't be hard to find. Um, This is a pretty cool deck. It's It's a bunch of tapping, untapping shenanigans.
0: I had fun playing it. You know what, when I first looked at this commander, I thought it's just another sort of aggressive commander, maybe a little bit of a token strategy, whatever, I dismissed it. And you showed me that I needed to take a closer look at this commander.
1: I think if you like value engines and value town like I do, this can still be a commander for you. We're going to talk about a bunch of cards this episode. If you like anything that you see or anything in this deck, want to build this deck or any of the other decks on Game Nights or anywhere else that you've seen, you can purchase all those cards at cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your Magic product, your singles, anything at all, you're supporting this show, you're supporting Game Nights, all of our content, we super appreciate it. And... While you're there, I would encourage you to check out some Ultra Pro stuff, or you can find it at your LGS. They sell their product all over the world. In fact, my favorite thing that they've come up with for this set for Guild of Ravnica specifically are these guild-themed sleeves that you can see DJ and I have right here. I've got the Selesnya ones, you've got Demir and Boros. And something I've been saying, and I wanted-I'm gonna give you a test here, DJ. Ooh. So something okay. I've been I've been saying to people is that. You know, printed background sleeves have, in the past, had kind of a bad reputation, right?
0: Oh, yeah. they they. I got some, and I loved them. And then the pattern just, like, peeled off the back.
1: Patterns will peel off. The, the sleeves are known to sort of break really easily or crack or sort of rip a lot. And so I talked to Ultra Pro about this. They are using their eclipse technology on all their sleeves now not just the eclipse sleeves so though these have a printed background they are super super durable and um have you seen the stretch test that the prof does oh yeah okay so that's what i want you to do here is i did this on game nights but we're gonna let dj do it dj's a big a, a strapping young lad
0: <laughs> thank let's, you yeah right, let's give the so, stress test so that's so the two just two finger two finger test and
1: you just you try and pull it apart and you just try and pull it apart
0: Oh, it's good! It's so good. <laughs> it's not going apart. It. It's it's by the way, like I can I can feel it give, but they'll always give because it's made out of plastic. Right. So now I've you finally was, did it. Okay, that was two fingers <laughs> on either side. Two, yeah. And that's this like took literally so much.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of pressure force you've got to apply to it to finally get. Th- Basically, what I'm saying is they're good enough for your commander decks. Dude, these they, things are going to last.
0: These are rugged.
1: Yeah. So that's awesome. Check out the. Uh, the all They have all the guilds, not just the ones that are in Guilds of Ravnica. They have Simic, Rakdos, all the other ones, Azorius, everything else, too. So Ultra Pro, always killing it, always increasing their quality. Uh, and the final way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this, this episode is dedicated to Philip, Philip David, David Davies. Davies. Philip, you have three names just like me. You rock. Thanks. Uh, I wanted to give a call out really quickly here. So I am participating in a charity event with Card Kingdom. It's called the Chalice. And the proceeds are going to the Big Brothers Big Sisters of Puget Sound, which is a good cause. Um, and it's I'm actually going to travel up to Seattle on October 20th and 21st. And this will be streamed. And I'm going to be doing a bunch of different magic-related um, events or what do you call it? you can
0: like going to like run the formats? gauntlet of like magic formats, like there's, all sorts of different stuff. They've got some cool formats. They have
1: their battle decks. I don't remember everything that's in it, but we're playing magic in a few different ways. And there's going to be a bunch of content creators involved. we got the professor, Kenji, Numatanomi Egashira. Jerry Thompson's going to be there. Um, Ashlyn Rose will be there. James from Lettingry Run. Some others. And... That sounds
0: so much... Do you know what? I don't care what you're playing. I'll just watch all of you guys... I'll watch all of you have coffee together.
1: (laughs) I don't know if the coffee thing... (laughs) Prof would just complain that it's not very good coffee and he knows a place with
0: better coffee. Okay, maybe you do need (laughs) magic. Maybe you do need a little bit of magic. But no, that sounds like a great lineup of people.
1: So leading up to that, I am trying to raise money for this foundation and it's a way to sort of root for me in the event. So if you want me to go and steamroll all these pushovers, you know, these easy, (laughs) easy marks like Jerry Thompson, then... (laughs) we're gonna put the url to donate uh to the big brothers big sisters foundation uh in the show notes so please check that out and support me and support this event because i think it's a pretty good one okay with all that said all our announcements done we're gonna talk about the amara deck and i just realized i put all the cards out and there's no amara here (laughs) so you know amara pretty well i'm gonna read amara from memory and hope i'm not incorrect okay So Amara is two mana, a green and a white for a two, two legendary creature, Elf Cleric. And her text box is whenever Amara becomes tapped, you create a one, one white soldier creature token with lifelink. So this is a creature. Well, first thing to to note, I guess, is in Guilds of Ravnica, the soldiers have lifelink.
0: That's great. I'm better than vigilance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like something that's minor but I actually think it matters quite a bit.
0: Oh yeah. Little incidental life gain is not something that you're just like, Oh, I'm going to build a life gain deck. So I care about it, but little bits here and there help out a lot. It can
1: change the game in ways that you wouldn't think, um, in game nights, there's a point at which I'm pretty low on life. And then by the end I have a lot of life and it actually gets me out of the range of being raced in any way or somebody sort of killing me out of nowhere. Uh, Depending. Obviously, the infect and commander damage and stuff will still work. But I do like the lifelink on the soldiers. Like you said, So, so I, it was interesting what you said, because when I first looked at her, I kind of had the same thought before I started building the deck, which was, you know, she's a two drop, she's a two-two. It seems like, oh, I attack, I make a one-one.
0: Yeah, I automatically like kind of dismissed her as a commander card and was more like, oh man, in limited, this would be a nightmare. And, and sometimes when your mind jumps to kind of one direction, you just ignore all of the potential that's there.
1: Yeah, so... The really interesting thing about Amara is getting into the tapping untapping shenanigans and really trying to break her in terms of like, well, how many one-one soldiers could I make on a turn or on everybody's turn to really turn this into an engine that rivals the Reese's and the other big token generators that we have in the format.
0: Because the most common way to tap a creature is to attack. Right. But you don't need to attack and you don't attack very much in this deck you're shenaniganing your commander into tapping and untapping more than literally sending it into the red zone. Right. And, and the great
1: thing is she's a two drop. So a lot of times if you play her on two, you're going to be able to attack. And attacking can be part of your equation, but you need to build in a way so that it's not, because you can only attack once per turn. Mm-hmm. Making one, one, one per turn, That's just not going to be enough in commander. You're going to have to figure out ways to make four or five, you know, unlimited in theory (laughs) uh, tokens so okay so let's go into the breakdown of the deck here the first category is tap imara so yes you can attack with amara she's only a 2-2 so she can get blanked pretty quickly in fact in the game nights game you see that i actually play her on turn two and everybody manages to get up a relevant blocker in the first round and i don't even really get to attack with her once i mean technically i think i could attack olivia because she had a one three but Still. Still, yeah. So that can happen, and you don't want to be like, wow, I can't make a single token. So you want a bunch of ways to tap her, and there are some pretty good ones. Uh, the first one is a card. I kind of look to play this card whenever possible. It's very good.
0: I've I've found this card to be very good in so many different ways. Yeah. so good in standard that it was banned. Mm-hmm. Smuggler's Copter a two-mana artifact, but this is a vehicle. And so when it's crewed, it's a three-three flyer. And whenever Smuggler's Copter attacks or blocks, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. And the crew cost is just one. Very easy to crew.
1: So this is just an amazing card with Amara. For one, it just allows you to tap her at any time that you want to. You can just crew this vehicle. And the way vehicles work too is really interesting. So if a crew cost is one, that means at least one power worth of creatures has to crew it and then it becomes a creature. However, you can crew it for more than its crew cost. And you can also crew it repeatedly. And so you could, in theory, crew it with Amara on my turn. And then if you could untap her somehow, you could crew it again on my turn. Mm-hmm. Or if you could untap it on DJ's turn, you could crew it on his turn. And this is one of the ways to tap Amara whenever you feel like it. And Smolder's Copter is a 3 3 fire that loots when it hits, which is just. Loots as- when it attacks. Sorry, loots when it attacks, yeah which is just a very and very blocks b- yeah oh yeah why did they because th- they were like boy this card's not, <laughs> not good just, enough what else what else can we have to do
0: let's make it look when it blocks too so it, it gives value on its own and this is one
1: of the things i think I'll, I'll say repeatedly or maybe i won't now that i've said i'll say it repeatedly uh is that you don't want something that just says tap your creature you want something that where you get something for tapping your creature right yeah um one of the bedrocks of the show and something I talk about all the time is if and when you can have lands do some of your basic needs for your deck, you really want to run those cards and they can be very, very good in the deck because it's a ton of overlap, right? You need mana generation, you need lands, but if those can be utility things for you too, super, super powerful.
0: Like you just said, you never want an effect to just tap your creature. And so if you can have that tap your creature on something, a necessity like lands, you need lands desperately. You've devoted a huge portion of your deck to lands. So if they can add to your strategy, that's amazing.
1: So there's two lands that are really, really good in this deck, and it's Survivor's Encampment and Holdout Settlement. And they are effectively the same, although one's a desert. That doesn't matter in this deck. (laughs) They both tap on their own. They come into play untapped and they tap on their own for colorless or diamond mana. But they both say you can can tap the land and then tap an untapped creature you control and add one mana of any color to your mana pool this is another way to tap amara when you can't attack with her or maybe tap her on another player's turn you know because you can't declare attacks on somebody else's turn
0: i love it because these are just kind of mediocre lands like you never really see them you don't want your color fixing to be so contingent on having a creature on the battlefield but they're so good right here
1: and you're in a token deck so you often have like a lot of little one ones lying around and if you don't want to use amara for that or whatever you can still It's the price of like, get colored mana out of it is not too high for this deck. Specifically, you have a lot of sort of expendable creatures laying around. Mm -hmm. This next one was, I think, the first card you called out when we talked about this in the set review.
0: Yeah. And one of the best cards in the deck. It's so good. Yeah. It's Cryptolith Rite. One in a green for an enchantment. Creatures you control have tap. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool.
1: Turns all your creatures into birds of paradise.
0: Birds of Paradise are pretty good. And when you suddenly have a board full of them, then you can just go off, start casting tons and tons and tons of spells. Uh, Also similar to this would be Earthcraft, but way more expensive.
1: It's expensive. I do have it in the deck, but I understand a lot of people can't afford it. Uh, Earthcraft, also more of a lightning rod because it combos so well with a couple of things and can go infinite. Uh, Cryptolith Rite is a really good card, but less of a combo enabler as far as going infinite, although jo- it does.
0: Did you include Squirrel Nest? In I this? didn't, I didn't, because <laughs> I didn't want
1: to do that, right? Because it's on game nights and it wouldn't be very exciting for me to go Earthcraft, Squirrel Nest, make an infinite amount of things, you know.
0: I mean, squirrels are pretty cute. <laughs> I mean, the, the, and like you I said, wouldn't be that upset.
1: <laughs> I like what you said because Cryptolith Rite works with Amara, but it also works with what Amara's doing. So Mm -hmm. it taps her so she can make tokens, but then once you have a lot of tokens, all those tokens are now mana dorks. So it's overlap, right? It's doubly uh, useful or valuable. The next card, okay. So in the game, I played a card called Diversionary Tactics. It's three and a white for an enchantment. It says tap two untapped creatures you control, tap target creature. Well, here's a little peek behind the curtain. I wanted to play Glare of Subduel. I couldn't find the card. (laughs) I thought, I was like guaranteed. I was like, oh yeah, it's here, and I'll just grab it on the day of production. And I'll, and I was like, oh crap, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And I, I just happened to come across Diversionary Tactics.
0: How do you just come across this card? Because it was in the same deck that the Glare of
1: Subduel <laughs> is supposed to be in, which was like, uh, okay, okay, and okay. I was like, I think a Derevi deck or something. And I was like, I don't know where the glare went, but here's Diversionary Tactics. It's close enough, so I put it in the deck. But this card should be Glare of Subduel. And Glare of Subduel is two green, white for an enchantment that says you can tap an untapped creature you control and tap target creature or artifact. And so you can tap Amara, and sh- and all your creatures basically become tappers. They become icy manipulators, kind of. They can't do lands and other permanents, of course. But artifacts and enchantments?
0: I mean, I, I mean, we all get a little bit sad Are that it's not opposition or, yes. or, or icy so that it can't tap down your lands because that really shuts out a game. But honestly, this is just as good because you get a critical mass of creatures, and then suddenly... uh, got protection from their board and you can get your really good creatures through
1: and it's the same thing amara it allows you to tap her but then once you have a bunch of creatures now all of a sudden you're tapping and glare subdual is their artifacts which means on their upkeep you can tap their mana rocks Mm. which can be like tapping their lands it can really shut down a lot of decks uh, or at least slow them down to the point where they have trouble combating you and then i did not want to leave out The fact that, yes, attacking with Amara is a way to tap her, and you don't want to totally ignore that, so you will want some things to enable her. Only the really good ones, though, and this is probably the best one.
0: Uh, This enabler is Sword of Feast and Famine. Uh, It's a three-mana equipment and... (laughs) It has equipped two, and... uh, You know what it does. I know what it does. does. When it hits the... It gets plus two, plus two prediction from black and green. When it hits your opponent, uh, you can untap all your
1: lands.
0: (laughs) And they also have to discard a card.
1: Yes. it's crazy. Yeah, it's really the untap your lands thing. The discarded card's great, don't get me wrong, but the untap all your lands is basically like giving you an extra turn if you have enough card draw. Yeah, it's the expedition one. Um, And... The protection from black and green, I don't know about you, but I I don't think... Yeah, I don't
0: like Adam either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to do protection from black and green.
1: Uh, the, I all, you, Adam. I'd say like 85 to 90% of the time, there's a person you can attack that cannot block you because of the protection from black and green. They're just often green's
0: like, Green's great. Yeah. It's like so popular. Yeah.
1: And that a lot of creatures just happen to be green, and they're just like, well, I can't ever block that. And so this is a way to tap Amara, untap all your lands, get a token you know, get some value out of it. It also works well if you just put it on soldier tokens to get a little bit of extra life and get in there. Um, So it's
0: just a strong equipment overall. I mean, Uh, it's the
1: best sword of in the format for sure. Fire and Ice is another one I would consider for the deck.
0: I think this is so much more explosive though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it can just sometimes add seven, eight, nine mana, which is insanity. It's crazy. Okay. So note here is that, that we're in the tap Amara category, and I would say, I would caution anybody building this deck, it's easy to overdo this category. It's easy to have too many ways to tap Amara. Amara's not that difficult to tap. As much as we sort of poo-pooed this idea, you can attack with Amara. So at the very least, you have an automatic way within the game. The rules give you a way to tap her. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to run her in and she dies or whatever, and you don't want to do that, but untapping her, now that's the part the game doesn't really give you a great way to do, except for once per turn.
0: Yeah, and you said that getting one token per turn, not good enough. So that means that we really have to pay attention to that untapping, those other ways of supporting Amara, not just, oh, I can reliably get one dude. Yeah. That's not good enough. No.
1: You said it yourself. So you want to be getting multiple multiple uh, Soldier tokens every turn and so we want to be able to uh, untap them Mara. and this is the category that I found the most difficult to fill out And I you know sort of set an arbitrary amount of like I-, I want at least 10 cards to do this so I can guarantee at least get one and You know the deck can obviously do better than two soldier tokens per rotation of the table but two was like I want to be able to reliably make two you know and so this is the untap Amara category and this is the one that I think is more important and you need to pay attention to So the first one is interesting because it covers both categories mm-hmm. overlap as we know I love Ooh, good So it's mobile garrison. It's three mana for a vehicle The vehicle is a three four and it has crew two. So mark and crew by herself and it says whenever more mobile garrison attacks Untap target artifact or creature you control so you tap Amara make a soldier Crew of the mobile garrison, it attacks and untaps Amara.
0: Wow. And it that's sits good. on board
1: later to be able to tap, say, on your turn or something to crew the mobile garrison. Even though the mobile garrison will have attacked or whatever, you can still get an additional soldier token basically just from this card alone.
0: These vehicles are doing work and yeah. this upgrades it to a 3 4. And I mean, that's. Pretty good. And I've seen that you have a few other vehicles in there, like cultivators caravan, like just incidental vehicles seem to be really good in this situation, but I didn't realize that it had this kind of overlap. That's amazing. And the vehicles
1: tend to be big for their cost, and you're usually going to be able to get in there a few times. And, you know, three, six, nine damage can actually be enough that your opponent has to start worrying about it a little. It's not something like I generally build decks to just attack people, and that's the main goal. But this is a side effect of being able to tap and untap Amara.
0: Well, and also softening them up could add to the swarming strategy. Because as soon as you have a bunch of things, if they're still at 40... Like, yeah, you can do a lot of damage, but you might need too many swings. But if you start knocking him down uh, in the early game, then things are going to be good. Ooh. So, yeah, this is
1: one I actually played in the episode. Oh, and we've very talked nice. about it on the show a few times now. We have, actually. Yeah. I
0: think people are going to know this card. It's Reconnaissance. It's one white for an enchantment. Uh, you pay zero and you remove target attacking creature you control from combat and untap it. Uh, do we want to explain kind of how this works a little bit?
1: Yeah, so we've so, talked about it a couple of times. It seems as if you could only untap it before damage, but that's not actually true. There's an end of combat step, and after damage has been dealt, you can still use Reconnaissance's ability and untap a creature and pull it out of combat. The damage already happened, though. The game won't take away that damage now that it's happened. Or, because you're in a token deck, a lot of times you get in these situations where you're like, I have eight creatures, but they have three blockers, and I don't really want to do five damage at the loss of three of my creatures. Yeah. But what you get to do is attack with all your creatures and the 3 that they block you pull those out of combat get through with the damage from the other ones and then after damage untap all the rest of them.
0: Yeah. It it acts as vigilance for your creatures. And a repeatable Mazavith for only your creatures. By the yep. way, did you include Mazavith to attack and then untap yep, your thing? Yep, yep, Josh thought of all the angles. Look at that. <laughs> well, of yeah. is also just great against it's everybody really, else's creatures. Really good, too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really solid card. And this has been doing a lot of work in a lot of commander tables.
1: Um, the next one is an old card, and I was happy to finally get it into a deck. It's Nature's Chosen. It's one green for an enchant creature. It says, play on a creature you control. Sorry, there's probably Oracle text. I'm just going to read off the card because that's what I got. <laughs> you and then you can pay 0 and untap enchanted creature use this ability only during your turn and only once each turn or you and you can pay 0 and tap enchanted creature to untap target artifact creature or land use this ability only if enchanted creature is white and only once each turn so
0: wow to, that is some text right there <laughs>
1: yeah so to recap this allows you to untap amara um only during your turn and once each turn. So one extra untap for Mar during your turn. It also gives her the ability to tap her and untap target artifact creature or land. That's great. So what you can do is, you know, I need one extra mana. She becomes a tap, untap one of my lands. And now I can untap her with Nature's Chosen and tap her again to untap the land again, get two mana out of her and an extra soldier, cro- uh, soldier token. So get two soldier tokens.
0: And the art is great.
1: Yeah, and it's one mana. It's low impact. You know, it's it's easy to get it down pretty early on her, maybe even like turn three or something. Get the ramp out of her. Get a couple soldiers. Yeah, I really like...
0: That's interesting because I don't think I've ever seen that on a commander table. And it works so well in this deck. It's so nice to find really obscure cards that work and synergize with your commander that you don't see everywhere where people are like, well, what is that?
1: Yeah, Can we, get an, do can we get an oracle text on that thing?
0: What does it do? <laughs> I'm
1: pretty sure it does. Do what I, I, trust I said, it's just <laughs> yeah. worded better now. Uh, okay, so we keep talking about curses because
0: didn't we just talk about like Curse of Opulence or something recently? I, I, I kind of like Curse of Opulence.
1: So here we go. I, I, put, okay. a, I put a curse in this deck.
0: So Josh isn't a very big pa- fan of no. curses. Uh, I don't think they're very powerful, but I but I kind of like them. But uh, you don't
1: put them in your decks, DJ.
0: I have Curse of Opulence in one okay. of my decks. Well,
1: one and one We're even now.
0: <laughs> I do only have like one curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one curse. Oh, oh, Curse of uh, Curse of Humility, and uh, what's that gigantic one? I like that curse. I don't even know that one. They'll put it up. Okay. <laughs> They'll put it up. Okay. Curse of Bounty. One and a green for an, an aura curse. There we go. Enchant player. Whenever enchanted player is attacked, uh, untap all non-land permanents you control. Each opponent attacking that player untaps all non-land permanents he or she controls.
1: So this is one of the curses from what was the C-17?
0: One of the commander sets, yeah.
1: It It's one of the new ones. So this one is... Let's say I enchant DJ. When I attack DJ, I untap all permanents I control. When Mel attacks DJ, she untaps all permanents she control, but I also untap all permanents I control because I'm the player that cast it, and that's the way like Opulence works and a few of these other ones. So this is a way to untap Amara and encourage somebody to hit one of your opponents because they get it's all it's <laughs> it's all non land permanents, so all their mana rocks, everything like that untaps. It's pretty big incentive, actually, to get everybody pointed at one person. Yeah. Normally, I don't like that. I don't think that's enough for the curse, but because the untapping is so important to you, again, now I think it's worth it.
0: Now, Josh, if you were trying to take the power level of this deck up a little bit, would this curse be on the chopping block? Was this in it because you're trying to make a deck that's more interactive, maybe a little bit more fun?
1: Yeah, I like the politics of it, and Game Nights is about fun. I think if I was trying to push this towards competitive, though, I think that would be futile. I don't know that Amara can ever get to CE-80H mm-hmm. level. Yeah. But if I was trying to get as powerful, like a hundred percent powerful as I wanted to, giving my opponents the ability to untap their nonline permits is probably not something you want to be doing. Yeah. However, you can be in optimized range, maybe like a seven out of ten, and still have this in your deck, and I think it's fine. And it'll be fun. When you get it out, the table's gonna <laughs> do crazy things that they wouldn't otherwise oh, yeah. otherwise do. So uh, and the the last card we're gonna talk about in the untapping Amara category is Quest for Renewal it's one in a green for an enchantment. Again, I played this one on the episode, and you and you, if you watched it, you saw what it did. Whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, you may put a quest counter on Quest for Renewal. And then, as long as there are four or more quest counters on it, you can untap all creatures you control uh, during each other player's untap step. So, it Seedborn Muses, your creatures only during every other player's untap step. Super, super powerful. This this is where you start getting into the making, you know more than, you know, four, five, six soldiers Tons. per rotation of the table.
0: Speaking of which, did you Seedborn Muse in this deck as well?
1: At Muse, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seedborn Muse is... Any green deck but should probably great. run it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So with all these untappers, did you well,
1: go... Also, I want to say, Quest for Renewal, it's really easy for you to activate. Oh, it's going be so easy. Because you have all these ways to tap your creatures, even if you can't get in for good attacks. Uh, sorry, go ahead. So
0: did you add other tapping uh, effects or is it just amara when you have all these untaps
1: i have a couple of other cards that care about um your stuff being tapped in fact I, I was saving it for later but we can talk about it now
0: well i was wondering because like a i'm a big fan of like Knight of the reliquary yeah and so Knight of the reliquary you can tap it to get whatever u- utility lands you want you can get these cool lands but you could also get something like gaia's cradle or you could get uh, um Gavyny Township, or just sort of get all of your utility lands out. Uh, Maceus, the the white Maceus.
1: Yeah, the constantly adding Lunarch, counters. No. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but yes. Yeah, Maceus. I actually
0: so and I, then grow your team with it.
1: Yeah, I actually steered away from other creatures that want to tap because the deck is already, and this is I think a pitfall of building a deck like this. The deck is already straddling two areas that are tough to straddle and by adding a third i felt like i was going to dilute all of it too much for any of it to work Mm. and so you need tap untap shenanigans but what are you doing you're making tokens with that so i need the normal token uh synergy stuff that's going to pay me off for having tokens so if now i'm adding in other things that want to tap and untap what's my what's my win condition in the deck? What I need stuff that's going to pump my tokens and take advantage of having a lot of tokens out. And I felt like I could only do one of those things. So I, I didn't go, I think you could probably do it, but then I don't know why you care about tapping Amara all that much because what are you going to do with all those tokens?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So if the whole thing is like, I want to tap and untap Amara, the outcome of that is I get a bunch of tokens, but I'm not going to take advantage of it.
0: So eh. Amara is really the crux of this deck. There's, there isn't like a tappy-untappy backup plan built into here.
1: No, I'd say there's more sort of tokeny backup plan because I'm mm-hmm. already taking advantage of that, so I want more things that do that.
0: Um, so if if someone if someone wanted to sort of find a way to attack this deck, it would be through attacking Amara.
1: Yes, I think so. The good thing is she's two CMC, so oh, yeah. even once she's died four times, you can still cast her. Okay, so let's talk about that. That'll lead into our next
0: section because yeah, because you talked about going deep on the token strategy, and so that's kind of what your what your end game is.
1: We're trying to make a bunch of soldiers with lifelink. And so what we want to do is have token synergy in the deck. And this is where we get into some, you got to be careful with your ratios. You can easily have too much of this category too. Token synergy stuff.
0: Oh, the support I see lo- stuff. Yeah. yeah, I
1: see a lot of token decks where it's like, you got all the stuff out that's going to make your tokens awesome, but you forgot you don't have very many tokens. Didn't we talk about this <laughs> <Yes>. just recently <laughs> when we
0: were, we were thinking like, wow, there's so much good token support, but like, is there too much? Yeah, yes, this is so where we're cutting we're, stuff.
1: we're getting into because there's so the first one is parallel lives, anointing procession, doubling season. This these are the big three for doubling your tokens, and I actually put all three in, but I think you're right on the edge now. I don't think you want another one of these effects, and you
0: don't want something like primal vigor, which is like the it's you know.
1: one more step down. It gives that uh makes that happen for everybody else and their plus one plus one counters, and I I would say like you could maybe cut one. And so you don't need the doubling season necessarily because it's the most expensive one.
0: That's guys. That's great news. If you, if you have a doubling season, it's great, put it in. But so many people were like complaining. And a lot of us were complaining too, about the price of doubling season and how critical it was for these types of decks to go off. And now that we've reached a critical mass of awesome, like token doublers, counter doubler, things like that. We might not need it anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Planeswalker decks and stuff still need it, but I think the token decks don't. And there was a new card added that I think is very similar to Anointed Procession, Parallel Lives, Doubling Season, that goes in that same category. And it could push Doubling Season out, or at least from a budget perspective,
0: you know, if it's not... We're not ever going to push it out, but... The, the whole thing is that you don't necessarily need it.
1: The difference between the new card and doubling season might be less than a 1% win percentage for your deck. Probably is.
0: Bold statement, Josh.
1: Um, So just in case you don't know, Annoying Procession, Parallel Lives, Doubling Season, for this deck are all enchantments that will basically make you create two tokens instead of one when you tap Amara. Whenever you create a token, you, you make two instead. Uh, so. It, the doubling season makes the most sense as far as naming. But this new card, I think, is basically in the same category as all those cards.
0: And, well, you let's read it. Divine Visitation. Three white white for an enchantment. If one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, that many four four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance are created instead. All your soldiers are now Sarah angels.
1: Yeah, you don't make, well, they, all the ones you create from this point forward. Yeah. Uh so you don't make 1-1 one, one life linkers anymore. You make 4-4 four, four Sarah Angels,
0: Flying <laughs> vigilante. So if oh, you think about gosh. it, right,
1: that's actually better than Doubling Season on the surface because instead of making two 1-1s, one, I make one 4-4 four, four flyer. That's double the amount of power that Doubling um, Season sir. would give you. Now, of course, in Trastani or something where you're going to make a 7-7, seven, seven, another 7-7 seven, seven might be better than a 4-4 four, four flyer instead. Whatever, we're splitting hairs. I, I do think you could run only Parallel Lives, Annoying Procession, uh, Divine Visitation, and be totally fine, not miss Doubling Season at all. Uh, which, like you said, I think is good news. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's possible that I should take out one of them. Four is a lot, and two of them are five drops, and two of them are four drops. It's 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 entirely within the realm of possibility that it's incorrect to run all four. It's too
0: much. And this is great because we're we're kind of saying that we don't know, and it depends on on play testing, on working things through, and so often people are blind to this because the cards are good. And it feels wrong to cut that good card, but you can't have all your enablers. You can't just have a deck full of enablers that with no real payoff.
1: So that's a way to sort of double the amount of tokens you're making. But another good thing you want to do in all token decks is just make the tokens you have bigger. And this is sort of the win condition stuff. Uh, this is a card that is rotating or has rotated at this point. Has this rotated. Is, and I think you should probably pick up a few of them because... They are really, really good in a lot of decks. They haven't
0: gone down very much. Oh, they haven't. Kind of stinks. Yeah, it's Metallic Mimic, uh, two mana for a two-one artifact creature shapeshifter. As Metallic Mimic enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. What creature type are we going to choose? Soldier. Unless okay. I have Divine
1: Visitation, maybe it's Angel.
0: <laughs> <You> choose Angel. <laughs> Uh, Metallic Mimic is the chosen type in addition to its other types. Uh, Each other creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. So no longer do we have one one soldiers entering the battlefield off of our commander, but two two soldiers.
1: I think people don't understand why this is so good. The big reason is it's two mana. So most of these effects, the Cathars Crusades and this stuff, that and they mega pump your stuff more than this does. Yeah. But the fact that this costs so little means I can actually play it on turn three, the turn after I've played Amara, and I can be making two twos until you know, as long as my stuff stays alive, the rest of the game, which I actually think is kind of more powerful. Nah, maybe not, but it's 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 subtly powerful, right? I agree. Yeah, it doubles all. It basically is the same as doubling season in that if i cast a doubling season and tap amara i make two soldiers Well, making a two -two soldier i know those aren't exactly the same but in some respects they are yeah so metallic mimic just one of the cards i just find myself putting in more and more decks um we were talking about lands that fill out certain aspects of your deck that you need gaviny township you mentioned earlier is always good in a token deck and should probably go in all of them in these colors it's a land that taps for uh, one colorless or diamond mana. Or you can pay two, a green and white, and tap the Gavity Township to put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. It's great. Yep. And again, if you've got, like, Nature's Chosen, Sword of Feast and Famine, there's a di- it's green, so there's different ways in the deck. And green is good at untapping lands. You might be able to activate Gavity Township two or three times on an end step and all of a sudden pump your team up huge where people don't really see that coming sometimes. Yeah. And the last one is... I want to say there's three cards I consider in this category for all token decks. And I just kind of am like, what do I feel? I've got bored of Crater Hoof and trying for the hordes. And it's like, <laughs> This'll do. Uh, this will
0: do. This one that will do is Beastmaster's Ascension. Two and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control attacks, you may put a quest counter on Beastmaster's Ascension. As long as Beastmaster Ascension has seven or more quest counters on it, creatures you control get plus five, plus five. So you need to attack with seven creatures after this enters the battlefield. And then, boom, Super Anthem. All your creatures are getting huge. Those are six, six creatures coming in with lifelink.
1: Yeah. Uh, I consider it more or less interchangeable. Crater, Hoof, and Triumph are both a little better because of the trample.
0: And and that that seven
1: counters thing doesn't mean anything because you basically don't want an effect like this unless you have at least seven counter- creatures.
0: You want to play this and then immediately attack with more than seven. And then they all yep. get huge. Hey,
1: you did the Game Night sound effect. Oh, very boop, 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 boop. Um, Yeah, so... Feel but free I, to
0: use that on the next Game Night. Yeah, just, okay, sure. like clip that my awkward... <laughs> 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 sure, no problem. <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, but I consider, you know, Crater Hoof and Triumph totally fine, totally interchangeable. I just personally... I'm like eh, everyone with Craterhoof a lot
0: Pathbreaker Ibex maybe sure, yeah. or you know uh Decimator of Province if you want a little old drowsy package Zuri if you're elves there's like a, that. there's
1: a lot of different ones that do it this is just the one I chose I, I'm not saying it's better than the, the others in fact it's probably of the three sort of less good so if I was ratcheting this power level up as high as I could Craterhoof would be the thing mm-hmm. Okay so that is the token synergy stuff don't overdo it in that category either you don't need all three you don't need Craterhoof Triumph of the Hordes, and Beastmaster Ascension. I think that's a mistake I see a lot of of sort of newer deck builders make. You're gonna play that card and you're gonna win, which means you don't ever wanna have two or three of it. Now, you might want two so that you guarantee get one or have a way if the first time it gets stopped or whatever, but in general, you don't need a lot. And notice you have, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: notice the difference between all of those effects, which do nothing really unless you're winning the game. You know, the Crater of Behemoth, it's like it just sits in your hand, or it's a 5-5 five, five that does a little bit of damage. Versus Gavany Township, which is a land that you need and will tap for mana over and over again, and then will get you value in the late game.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go on to the other cool stuff category
0: I like the name of that category. Yeah, this
1: is the... Josh couldn't think of a good category name for these things. Okay, so the first one, you were asking if I had other creatures in the deck that sort of are on the same plan as Amara, and there's actually a creature that's basically Amara.
0: Basically Amara, Stony Brook Schoolmaster. Two and a white for a one-two Merfolk Wizard. Whenever Stony Brook Brook Schoolmaster becomes tapped, you may put a one-one blue Merfolk Wizard creature token into play so gets it's a, tapped makes a dude
1: yep it's not a lifelink here but it's a one one and it is basically the same as amara so
0: by the way look at this it's let's just compare this three cmc versus two cmc a one two versus a two two
1: makes a- uh, one ones but no lifelink versus one ones with lifelink lifelink yeah wow amara stone better in every aspect but, but- this is a good card Yes, and if I'm already going to do all the stuff that works with Amara, it's all going to work with this, and I might as well do it twice. Because if I have a smuggler's copter out, I can crew it with both of them and do the thing. So it's just making more things that are going to work with my Cryptolith Rites, my Gavany Townships, and ultimately my um, Beastmaster Ascension. I like it. Uh, the next one is I always like to have alternate win conditions in the deck. Combat damage is something that a lot of decks come prepared for, and so I want to be able to beat them in a different way. And this one, this felt like a good opportunity to use a card that I've had my eye on, and uh, was just looking for the right deck. It's Throne of the God Pharaoh, two mana for an artifact, a legendary artifact. It says at the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the number of tapped creatures you control.
0: This card is subtly powerful. Very good. In this deck, with like a mana dork and tapping some stuff, you could do like five damage to each opponent, five damage to each opponent, five damage to each opponent so easily, and then that just builds up.
1: Yep. You could even do 20 damage to each opponent. Oh, yeah. Like out of nowhere. Just end the game. Yeah. Where they think, oh, I got my whatever my propaganda set up and everything. And you're like, boom. And it's lost Cru- of life. You're too.
0: like crew, 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 crew.
1: Yeah. Now what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a fireball at the end of every single turn. Yep. That goes to each opponent. Oh, it it's every gosh. opponent.
1: So that's, yeah, that's another one thing other thing
0: up. that I like, which is a drawback in a lot of formats, but, but okay. in ours, it's a legendary artifact, but in a lot of decks in green and white, like they have ways to search up legendary things. Yes. Uh, Interesting. There's even, there's even a tapping, creature that searches up legendary stuff uh captain sisa yeah yeah Yeah. which
1: is a good deck by the way by itself
0: yeah okay um harvest season is the next thing that takes huge advantage out of tapped creatures oh yeah uh two and a green for a sorcery search your library for x basic land cards where x is the number of tapped creatures you control and put those cards onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library this is the above and beyond ramp this is the, I'm going to close out the game with huge amounts of mana. Just search up six, ten basics.
1: I mean, what's the rate is two in a green. That's Kodama and Cultivate. Those put one land into play and one into your hands. The next level up is Explosive Vegetation, Sky Shard, Claim Territory. Those cost four mana and put two lands into play. So if you get two lands off of Harvest Season into play, you've already broken the rate that we normally play. Yep. So I would say to you, if you can get four lands off of harvest season, it's extremely good. It's insane. Yeah, if you can get six or more, you like it will be hard to imagine losing that game minus like oh card drop. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, and it's not difficult because Amara taps makes a creature. So even the next turn, if you have a a Smuggish Copter out, you're gonna have three creatures. Oh you're my gosh! You're already at three. You're already broken. You've already broken rate. So it's just very, very, very powerful. Uh,
0: Imagine that ramp on turn three doubling up your mana.
1: Yeah, and that's just modest. That's just Amara and one way to tap her because presumably that way will tap the soldier as well. And that means on turn three, at the very least, you'll get three lands into play. Amazing. Or turn four, I guess, because you get around two... Three, four, yeah. But still for three mana. Pretty crazy. And then later in the game, or even I mean, not that later, five turn five, you could usually get seven or eight. <laughs> you could
0: just be like, all right, I'm just gonna thin my deck of all my basics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so um those are the three other cool stuff. And there's two little things I wanted to talk about. So one is what I call the Skull Clamp Package, and any token deck and the Shadowborn Apostle deck, I find this to be sort of the most important little package to put in. And I find Skullclamp to be the best card in those decks. Simply because one mana draw two cards <laughs> is just unbeatably powerful. Some not, not technically unbeatable, but those games always go well for you. You're always in it. You always are doing the thing that your deck's supposed to do. You don't ever just sit there because... Skull Clamp, sorry, is a one-mana artifact uh, equipment. Cost one to equip. It gives an equipped creature plus one negative one. And then it says whenever equipped creature dies, you draw two cards. So on one-ones, you equip it. They immediately die. You draw two cards. It turns all of your to- all of your tokens into pay one mana, draw two cards. Like super clues. Um, half the half the mana for twice the card draw. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. So It's very good.
1: It's so good that I will often put in a, a suite of cards that – its only purpose is really to find skull clamp, and you could be thinking, "Well, some of those cards, if you already have skull clamp, do nothing." But yes, then I already have skull clamp, so I'm fine. I don't care if <laughs> I have I'm, two dead cards. All
0: I'm doing is looking for skull clamp. But you you pulled on a Stoneforge mystic here, right. to find the skull clamp. But now it, it finds, doesn't do
1: nothing. Yeah, yeah. It
0: finds the sword sort of, of feast and, and famine. famine. Yeah. You probably have an enlightened tutor in there, which finds the skull clamp, but also finds this throne of the god pharaoh. Yes. Like it's.
1: It's They don't do nothing. Uh, I did actually put Steel Shaper's Gift in, though, which is one white finds an equipment. It will find Sword Feast of Famine, but it's to find Skull Clamp. I think that this... And and this is not a go find my wind condition, although some of those can. They find Beastmaster Ascension, right? Do you know
0: what, do you know what Josh needs? Like, uh, I think it's open the armory, finds an equipment or an aura, and you can find your curse. You can even have a small <laughs> curse, curse package. an aura.
1: <laughs> So that is what I call the Skullclamp package. And you're right. They do have other But it's synergies. important because
0: you have it, it overlaps other things. And if you find a I I think that, that having an artifact as a sort of pseudo win condition or an enchantment, like we yeah, mentioned Beast the enchantment, Ascension. Beastmaster's Ascension, as sort of another pseudo win condition, then it synergizes with these overlapping packages and makes them much more powerful.
1: I do think in deck building, finding a way that your deck can at least somewhat reliably get to a high consistency of drawing a lot of cards early will just make all your decks a million times better. Because in a lot of ways, it doesn't actually matter what the cards you're drawing are. There's this great um, Napoleon saying, which he said that quantity has a quality all of its own. (laughs) And that is very much like just a lot of cards will just solve problems that it doesn't even matter. You're going to have enough lands. You're going to hit all your land drops. You'll just happen to have the Mortify in your hand when you need it or whatever that you won't. You'll have a creature to play that can block something that you won't have had if you didn't draw a lot of cards. and, And drawing cards early in a game and just reliably being able to do it will make all your decks powerful no matter what they're doing.
0: Yeah, we were talking about how much we've been liking Smuggler's Copter, and it's not for the three damage. Nope. It's for that ability to churn through your deck to loot. yeah. Did you have other what? other kind of card draw did you have in this deck?
1: I have like slate of ancestry that draws you cards for each creature you control, but that's a big amount of card draw mm-hmm. later. And it's you know skull clamp is. I considered stone forge mystic, steel shaper's gift, enlightened and tutor, all card draw because I'm going to go find a skull clamp with it. Interesting. So that's, yeah. But they they're they're dual. They find other stuff too. Yeah. So what uh, did you
0: think about the the new card out of guilds of ravnica that give, lets you draw a card when you pay mana after you gain a life. 'cause you have so many lifelinkers. Yeah, Linkers Dawn of in Hope, here. I did have, Hope. I did
1: put that in there because it also makes tokens. Yeah. So if I have Divine Visitation or doubling season or something out, now all of a sudden I would maybe pay four mana to make a 4-4 angel at instant <laughs> speed, right? I may pay four mana to make two lifelinking soldiers. And let's
0: be fair, like in this deck, you know, I'm holding up Harvest Season right now, you could theoretically have so much mana that you don't care if it costs that right. much to be able to... You we know, have like
1: sort of Feast and Famine. We have Cryptolith oh. Rite. We might have nine guys on the table. We have... Um,
0: you could have Seedborn Muse tapping your lands every single uh, round of the table.
1: Yep, which means I just want to dump it into Dawn of Hope. Sorry, we don't have uh, Guy's Cradle, but I do have Itlamak, uh Growing rights of itlamok. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be easy to flip. Tap for a million mana. We saw that in the Game Nights episode. So getting a lot of mana is not a huge problem for the deck. And so you're right. Notice I, I, all
0: these inner, like literally we're going back and forth and all of these are like a Venn diagram sort yeah, of of so. strategies. They're like all these overlapping circles of like, well, look at the card draw and how it interacts with all this. Look at the little bit of lifelink and how it interacts with this and the, and the equipment package slash okay. the artifact enchantment package. That makes for a very well-rounded deck, which means it runs smoothly and you'll have more fun.
1: It's that smoothness that I'm always looking for. I think, like we were talking about earlier, that top end, Crater Hoof. I'm going to jam Crater Hoof, trying for the Hordes, Beastmaster Ascension. That is never something that's super interesting to me. Mine is like, how can I get my deck so that it's always going to do what I want it to? And then I just need a couple of cards to end it. But I I don't ever want those games where I'm sitting there and my deck's just not doing anything. That Because that's no fun. If I lose... But I created ten tokens and I got to tap them and I was drawing man and I you put it. You played bunch of magic, yeah, exactly. That's fine. But if I lose and I sat there and I didn't hit my fourth land drop or fifth land drop and I, you know, was top decking at a certain point and just, you know, okay, I, I, I have to cast this because that's what I drew this turn. That's just not that fun, and I just never want to be in that situation. So I always build my deck so that that's never going to
0: happen. Totally. <laughs> Speaking of not that fun, Josh, close us out.
1: Okay, so there was a card <laughs> in here that I wanted to talk about. It's Gaddic Teague. It's a uh, green and a white for a two two legendary creature, Kithkin advisor. It says non creature spells with converted mana cost four or greater can't be played. Non creature spells with X in their mana costs can't be played. So everybody, including yourself, can only play non creature spells that cost three or less, and that includes X spells. X spells just can't be played at all. Um <laughs> this, creatures,
0: is a mean, this is a mean card. All creatures
1: can be played. Yeah, this is a mean card. Uh little side note, Alex Kessler used to have a Gaddictique deck. That was pretty brutal.
0: And you're still friends with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's interesting. So
1: I think people look at this card and they think what you think, which is like, this is a mean card, and I'm going to only put in my deck when I want to shut my opponents down from playing Magic. Right?
0: I mean, I like shutting down four and five mana board wipes in a deck like this.
1: And that's exactly what I wanted to point out. I think you need to look at it like Heroic Intervention. Oh, like, yeah. Like Teferi's Protection, kind of like, these are cards that save you from Board Wipes. Gaddock Teague turns off most Board Wipes, almost all of them. Unfortunately, Cyclonic Rift still gets under it because it's 2 CMC. And, uh, yeah, that's another...
0: Cyclonic Rift!
1: Yeah, Toxic Deluge, there's a few. But in general, Board Wipes cost more than 4 CMC, or sorry, more than 3 CMC. And Gaddock Teague is a really good way to play that card and just maintain your board state. And that's when you're like, okay, this is the turn where I'm going to make the 12th, 13th, and 14th token. That's the turn where when I pass it, everyone, if they wipe it right then, I'm set very far back, and my chances to win the game go down a ton. Whereas if I keep it, my chances to win the game is very high. And that last card I want to play at the end of that turn is Gaddock T. And I'm saying, whatever you're going to do, it's going to be hard to do it.
0: That's a, by the way, that's a really good distinction because notice how the knee-jerk reaction was, Teague, you like like Staxi deck, like you're still friends with him, like that kind of thing. (laughs) But that's oftentimes if you're playing it on turn two and you're preventing other people from magic, the way Josh is describing playing this is like, all right, let's play it and get one more turn of the table before I stomp you.
1: Now I Beastmaster Ascension, it's three CMC, and then I can actually win on that turn because my stuff doesn't have summoning sickness.
0: It's like an insurance policy to sort of stabilize it when you have a board.
1: In fact, I can't really imagine ever playing Teague earlier than like turn to than a later turn. Honestly, never playing it on two in this deck. You just don't have. You can't back it up. You're not a stack stack. Mm-hmm. So all you're gonna do is draw a ton of hate,
0: and, and you have cards like that whole stack over there of uh, yeah,
1: Divine Visitation, and... Anointed Procession, Double Season. They don't work with chaotic Teague out. This is a and uh, this is this is a really lock. Lock the key on the entire game for just one turn, so hopefully I can close it out. It's not always going to work; they might be able to remove them or whatever. But in general, you've you've seen hits gets stable, and people are like, "Uh," and like half their cards are just turned off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of a sudden they can't answer what they need to, and you can therefore go on and win. So, yeah, it was a card I wanted to talk about. As a, you can play Teague nicely. Okay, to the listeners, so. Yeah, we're done talking about the Amara deck, obviously. And normally, we would ask you a question about the Amara deck. But this time, we talked last episode or two episodes ago about episodes the stats ago. project that we've got going on here. So, all the statistics have been gathered. We did over 300 games of Commander, got stats from them. There, the numbers are being crunched. It's going to take a little bit of time. However, what I want to do in the meantime is I want to launch like a series of polls on uh, our Twitter page or, I'll, or I'll, I'll create a poll and link it on the Twitter page or something to sort of gauge everybody's, what would you call it? It was like the question I asked you earlier about software.
0: Yeah, it's sort of to get...
1: To take the temperature of what you... F- yeah. Yeah, what the community thinks about something and then we can cross-reference it with the data and see like, is that correct? So the question I posed to DJ and I'll pose to all of you as sort of a an a initial teaser, question. A little teaser for a little some teaser, of the data where it's going. Yeah, is... How much do you think a turn one through three, Soul Ring or Mana Crypt, matters in terms of increased win percentage? So basically, to boil that question down, if somebody gets a turn one through three, either Soul Ring or Mana Crypt out, how much do you think that increases their chance to ultimately win that game? Uh
0: turn one through three or player
1: like the first your first three turns. I I feel okay. like if you play a soul Ring on turn four, the power level is diminished then at that point.
0: Then it's just point. like a normal yeah. ramp spout.
1: But a turn one or two soul Ring and probably three is very, very powerful and gets you such a huge advantage. And there's been a lot of call over the years from various places to ban those cards because they're so powerful. And so within the data, we're going to check and find out like what the win percentage increase is. And I just want to know what the community thinks. Do you think it's a no advantage? Do you think it is a... Large advantage, you know. I would say like a a six percent advantage would be a very large advantage if you consider that each player has a twenty five percent win percentage. Mm. If you increase that by six percent up to thirty, you've basically, you know, you've got twenty five percent more chance to win the game if you get a soul ring out. Yeah. Um. It something. it Do you think you know? Uh. One of our people here, there, they threw their opinion into the ring and they said, no, I actually think it's a disadvantage. I think that people will win less if they get a turn one through three. Soul Ring or Mana Crypt because the table will gang up on them. So I'm very interested to hear. That's just one of the questions that we're going to be asking on our Twitter. I'm going to put out some polls. So I want you to answer that Soul Ring question that I just asked. But I also want you to go to Twitter and follow the at uh, CommandCast um uh, account because that's where I'm going to be doing the polls and and then we'll reference those in the episode saying, well, you know, people thought this and this, maybe we we're right. Maybe everybody thinks uh, Sol Ring's, you know, a mediocre advantage. Maybe it's three to four percent and it actually is or whatever that turns out but to be. But one thing
0: is that you don't have to be right in order for us to collect data on what people think.
1: Right. No, and I just want to take everybody's temperature because otherwise it's just me and DJ going, well, I thought this and this is what it turned out. I but think that's even more
0: data. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, sometimes it doesn't matter like The numbers matter, but sometimes the perception matters even more. So we could say, like, well, look, here's what the perception is. And look, our perception is right on. Our perception is off.
1: Right. Uh, Another one of the questions will almost certainly be how much you think going first in the game matters. And did that pan out? You know, I told you my initial impressions, but we did 300 games. You know, my impressions were from less than 20 games. So mm-hmm. maybe that was just a bad sample size and maybe that's not how it turned out. Again, follow at command cast for, uh, so you can participate in those polls and help us with that data. And while you're there, you can follow at jumbo commander DJ. You can also find him on YouTube. If you type jumbo commander into the YouTube search bar, you're going to find all his videos and deck text there. And if you feel like it, you can follow at Josh Lee Kauai as well. Might as well plug our Twitter as well. I there. know, right? Yeah. I want more Twitter friends. And while you're on the internet, you can also type in, uh, cardkingdom.com slash commandzone and that will allow you to order cards like Gaddick Teague, Skullclamp, Beastmaster Ascension, Sword of Feast and Famine, Smuggler's Copter, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> Any cards at all that you order using that affiliate link, that's stuff you're going to get for your deck and simultaneously as Gravy for added value just thrown in, you are you are supporting Game Nights and all of our content. We super appreciate everybody that does that. Also, you know, this is a Celestia deck and as you can see, It is in Celestia sleeves, and these sleeves that Ultra Pro has made—they have them for every single single guild. Uh, They're super cool. Very, they're just classy and elegant, right? Like they don't have too much on them.
0: Yeah. I like them a lot. One thing, by the way, you were mentioning the the quality of the sleeves in the back. One thing that sometimes happened with printed sleeves is that the lighter parts you could you could see through. Yeah. Because of the weird printing process. And I really like how this is just like impossible. Yeah, they Completely actually put like, a,
1: yeah, they put like a gray something back there so that you just can't see through it at all. Yeah. And I saw you were picking up one of the playmats right there. Oh, you yeah. You want to show off your, your secret yeah, family. I'm,
0: I'm part of the Boros Legion. <laughs>
1: That is pretty sweet. So they have the playmats, they got the deck boxes, they got all the sleeves. Ultra Pro, always up in their game. We really appreciate them being a sponsor of the show. Okay, now it's time for the end step, where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Do you have something?
0: Do you know what? I was uh, just listening to the last episode when you were talking with Adam, Uh, and what were you talking about? Are you a World of Warcraft or EverQuest player? I played World of Warcraft for so long, Josh. (laughs) Until what? Expansion uh miss of pandaria oh you played well
1: past me i didn't play i stopped at cataclysm basically okay. I, I, like i didn't play cataclysm yeah. i came out and i stopped uh, uh i was what race in class yeah
0: so i i had many
1: <laughs> we're doing world of warcraft <laughs> as a second time I know, seriously Jeez. if we had jimmy on here by back, the way back, he jimmy played, played a,
0: ton. a ton i played a lot too i was a i was a gm for a guild master for a very long time uh and we had pretty competitive guilds at some point in time my mm, you were the like one a that did, guild yeah, we were a raiding guild, but we still did like PvP and stuff like that. I played a lot. Uh, I had a hunter that I really liked a lot. And uh, I also had a priest. Dwarf. Well, you to be a top raider, you have to switch... Oh. Yeah, so like for example, sometimes crit was really important and so then you trained to change to a worgen. Sometimes uh Depending for example, Missa Pinda- yeah, yeah. Pindaria, yeah, Missa Pandaria. like you could the pandas had a food buff and so agility was much more an important stat so you changed to panda. Do you have to pay to like change race? I, I think so. Yeah. But it wasn't a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like but so you stuff. changed yeah, so you changed over to a panda and like you got the panda food buff and that gave you that tiny tiny I don't edge. Even think you
1: had race changing when I played. I don't Probably think you they, could they added that a little yeah. bit later.
0: I started off as a dwarf.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I figured. Sorry, and a what human. Was
0: the priest? A human. Yeah. Human priest. I had a human priest. Yeah. For a while. Didn't you have all of them?
1: Yeah. I did. <laughs> I had basically everything. Yeah. But I was human. It wasn't like you know. Yeah. I didn't have every race in class. I just well, had every class. But also,
0: I did have other stuff. So like, I had twinks. Do you know what a twink is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I had all ni- my guys were 19, twinks. 39, <laughs> I had a warrior and then like a druid and a rogue all the way up. Oh man, that's fun that times. So so. Adam got to tell a story, so I'm going to tell a World of Warcraft story. <laughs> you were jealous okay. of Adam while he's telling
1: the story. I was story. jealous Why of him. I, I, was
0: I was seething on the way over. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. And by the way, I'm also like not tempted to go back because it's so...
1: I'm reverse tempted. It's I'm so like much actually, work.
0: I'm like scared of it. I'm, like, I'm not even going to try because I'm scared of the time commitment that that... Literally anyone starts
1: talking about it. Part of me is like, stop listening, stop listening. So that no temptation comes into your life. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead.
0: Um, So some of you might know that like I'm, I'm involved in education. So uh, I had this kid uh, come into my office and he was not doing well in class at all. Like he was on the verge of like getting kicked out of school. Things were, things were huge problems. And, uh, and basically I was going to, I was going to threaten him and basically be like, I'm going to talk to your parents like, I'm going to call your parents and like, not you're going to get in trouble. No, because, he didn't care at yeah. all. I happen to know that he really liked World of Warcraft. So what did I do? I contacted his guild master and I got him benched from raiding until he brought his grades up. Seriously? His, his GM canceled the raid. <laughs> that is the smartest thing I've ever heard. So like I was a guild master too and I'm like, had all this stuff. And so I contacted him and I was like, hey, just by the way, this is someone in your guild. And he's like... No, like that's unacceptable. Like we run a tight ship here. So he's like, he canceled the raid and the guild master and some other people sat in vent, in Ventrilo and like tutored him to do his homework. Dude. That night and like the next night so that he could stay in school and like get his work done.
1: And that, did he turn it around? Like did it, did it?
0: He stayed in school. Yeah. Like he's not like, he's not like he's an A student now, but like he didn't get kicked out.
1: Yeah. Cause you found the, the actual, the pressure point for him that would actually work. That is pretty... That's pretty awesome. And
0: it blew his mind because he didn't, I didn't like tell him like, oh yeah, I play World of Warcraft constantly. No. (laughs) So instead it was like, where did this come? How did this happen? (laughs)
1: You're like, I have ears everywhere. (laughs) I have powers. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Oh, that's a good story. I like that one. Okay. Well, that was our, I guess we're doing World of Warcraft every end step now. We have
0: more. I'll have more next week. No, No, just kidding. No, 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 no. no. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know if these two guys played World of Warcraft. I feel like Alex Kessler would. It's the uh, Masters of Modern podcast, our sister podcast. You should, you guys should actually go on Twitter. They're at the MMCast and ask them if they can tell some World of Warcraft stories. I feel like they probably played. Dude, is it, is it
0: just our generation? It was so huge when we were loving video games. So obviously we played. It was Jimmy too.
1: Yeah, it was the biggest video game in the world for on a long time. So it's not that surprising, I suppose.
0: My slash played is like depressing. Oh, yeah. I did. I stopped typing it in.
1: <laughs> I don't even <laughs> want to think about it.
0: Uh, <laughs> okay. Our editor is Josh Murphy. Thanks, Murph. Murph. And a special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card Animations at Living Cards MTG.
1: Thanks, Jeffrey. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next
0: time. Bye, everyone. Peace.